Turn with me to Psalm 124. Psalm 124. I'll read, read that before we begin. Psalm 124. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, when people rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us up alive. Uh, When their anger was kindled against us, then the flood would have swept us away. The torrent would have gone over us. Then over us would have gone the raging waters. Blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken. And we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Uh, In this uh, little psalm, one of the psalms of ascents, which would have been recited regularly uh, as Israel traveled to Jerusalem, uh, when we get to this psalm, we can face the challenges and we can say the snare is broken. The snare is broken. Uh, uh, D. James Kennedy wrote a book uh, many years ago entitled, What If Jesus Had Never Been Born? What If Jesus Had Never Been Born? Uh, That book describes the contributions of Christians through the ages, their contributions to the well-being of society. Uh, Because of their faith in the Lord, uh, they were motivated and and skilled to make unusual advances in science and in medicine. Uh, Out of of the compassion of Jesus in their hearts, uh, uh, some uh, began hospitals. The Christians, of course, were the first uh, to start hospitals, uh, and they were on the cutting edge of health care, starting universities as well. Uh, And all of this is rooted in the fact that God is the creator. He has made this as a world of order, uh, and he has called his people to subdue the earth for his glory. All rooted there in the nature of God and his creation of this world. Um, Louis Pasteur, for one, for uh, an example, uh, is known even today as perhaps the greatest bacteriologist of all time. He was a trailblazer in many things. You will see it when you have your, your bottle of, uh, of milk in your hand, that pasteurization uh, was his idea. Um, sterilization of, of, uh, of surfaces for surgery was his idea. Vaccines against, uh, against deadly diseases was also something that he pioneered. He, however, was opposed by people in his culture, in his time, in the, in the, 19, in the 19th century, um, because he did not believe in Darwinianism. Um, instead, um, he, he opposed the scientific elite. And for very different reasons, as he gave glory to God, he developed his theories that finally could not be thwarted any longer. And there was begrudging uh, acceptance of his work. His faith in God kept him on the task. He didn't fold to pressure, and of course, we still benefit today. What if Jesus had never been born? 
Think about that for yourself. And that's really the way this psalm opens up. Imagine life without the Lord on your side. The psalmist is is calling us to ask these questions. What if? What if? He's calling us to ponder. What if God were not on our side? We think about this question a fair amount. I've heard many, many Christians say, say something like this. I don't know how people could get through this, whatever this is, I don't know how people could get through this if it weren't there for their confidence in the Lord. Your own personal tragedies. You're still here. They didn't break you. They made you stronger. If the last breath that any of you take uh, leads then to nothingness, there's no meaning, no meaning whatsoever, then the journey that these Israelites were on to Jerusalem to worship, the journey that we are on ostensibly to the New Jerusalem, if there's no breath, there's no New Jerusalem, all of this would be, would be hopeless and worthless. Ponder, what if the Lord were not on your side? And that's exactly how this uh, worship leader begins. If it had not been the Lord who was on your side, if it had not been the Lord who was on your side, dash. Consider that. Consider it. And then he immediately says, let, uh, let Israel now say, and this would have been then a thunderous crowd, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side. Well, it is likely uh, that uh, 2 Samuel chapter 5, which we'll look at in a few minutes, it is likely that 2 Samuel chapter 5 is the background to this psalm. Uh, David, in that text, uh, is uh, describing, or it is described of David. He has recently been crowned king. Um, and following that uh, crowning of king, he has defeated the, the Jebusites, and he now occupied their city, and he renamed it the City of David. The Philistines got the news, and they went on a, a hunt. They were driven by a consuming hatred of David. They had just gotten rid of Saul. They thought they were done with Israel, and David arises now, and they've got to go after him. They spread across the valley like locusts, and David replies uh, as they are, 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 are threatening to swallow him up like a, a, a tsunami, to swallow them up alive. He pictures here uh, in verse 3, they would have swallowed us up alive when their anger was kindled against us. Probably he has in view, that's imagery of, of the Canaanite god Mot, M-O-T, uh, that really stands for death. Uh, and this God was pictured, was depicted as, as, as opening his huge mouth where his upper lip was, was linked into heaven and his lower lip was down on the earth. And this huge, massive mouth would just, would just swallow up anyone and anything that, that, that was opposed to him. He would destroy them. That is, 
That is the language of, of this text. There is a swallowing that is, that is threatened. Verse, verse 4 goes on to speak of the flood that would have swept us away, the torrent that would have gone over us. Imagine in your mind the torrent of raging waters. Imagine Sandy when the storm hit, especially North Jersey, and left a debacle behind. If you wish, turn with me over to Second Samuel chapter 5 and we'll pick up the story. We'll pick up the story in the midst of this threat of a tsunami coming upon David and his people um, in, in chapter 5, Second Samuel chapter 5, and we'll pick it up, we'll pick it up at verse 19. The, the, Israel, the Philistines are there. 19, David inquired of the Lord, shall I go up against the Philistines? If God is not with me, I, I know it'll, it'll be a bloodbath. Shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you give them into my hand? I'm not going anywhere unless I get the answer yes. And the Lord said to David, go up for I will certainly give the Philistines into your hand. And David came to Baal-perazim, and David defeated them there. David defeated them. And he said, The Lord has burst through my enemies before me like a bursting flood. Instead of being on the receiving end of the Philistine tsunami, the Lord burst in. Through, through that and became a, a bursting flood himself. And so therefore the name of the place is called Baal Perazim, the Lord of, of bursting through. In his experience, where he could have expected, without God's intervention, to be washed over himself, God shows up for him and he actually gives God another name, the Lord of bursting through. The Lord of bursting through. You and I would be unspeakably desperate if he were not on our side. And so we see, uh, we see at verse uh, at verse six. Blessed be the Lord, who has not given us as prey to their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken. It is God's deepest desire to help us, to walk with us. It is the deepest desire of your older brother, Jesus, to be a protective older brother. All the excellencies of his character, all his majesty, his glory, his power, his righteousness, his holiness, all of that is bursting through for you, for us. We've escaped like a bird from fowlers. The snare is broken. He is the Lord of bursting through. The snare is broken. And he is the Lord of bursting through. The enemy, the snare of our enemy is broken. That's where we want to take off and, and, and consider how this fits with us in our new covenant perspective, our new covenant reality. The snare of our enemy is broken. Now, the Messiah has come, and he didn't just show us how to defeat Satan. 
He didn't show us, just show us how to defeat Satan. He did it. Often the teaching on Jesus' temptations uh, misses this. Three times, it is often said, you'll, you'll hear of, of three-part sermons that deal with one temptation after the other, and the culmination of each one is Jesus quoted a scripture to defeat the enemy, and so should you. Rah, rah, defeat the enemy, just like Jesus did. Jesus, however, quotes the scripture three times to close the mouth of Mott, to finish off his enemy, to defe- and he defeated the enemy in that skirmish. Um, at our men's breakfast yesterday, we considered uh, these words from uh, Over a Thousand Tongues to Sing, and this is one of the phrases that we soaked in, breaks the power of reigning sin, he sets the prisoner free. Because of what Jesus has already accomplished. Those words are for us. Break, he breaks the power of reigning sin. He sets the prisoner free. Of course, he does this decisively on the cross. The words of Colossians ring in our ears. He disarmed the rulers, authorities, and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. That's what happened on the cross. And the final death blow is promised and sure it's coming. You were in him in that temptation desert. Satan was defeated for you in that desert. You were in him on the cross. You were dead with him in the tomb and you rose alive with him when he was raised from the dead. Who are you? You are an in Christ person. You are identified with Christ in the, in the totality of his work of redemption. Now what is a, a telltale and interesting feature of the New Testament, of the Gospel accounts, is the most clear-eyed people in the Gospels were those who were demon-possessed. I'm sorry to tell you that. They had the, they had the clearest view of Jesus. They knew who he was without question. They understood that. We, however, miss it frequently in our particular struggles. But listen, you remember the gathering uh, demoniac. Uh, he, he, uh, he knew Jesus. And Jesus exposed him as a, as a powerless tool. This, these are the words of the demoniac. He knew. He cried out in fear. What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? One of the clearest uh, doctrines of Christology in the Gospels from a demoniac. He understood the enemy. Can we understand the friend just as well? We sometimes live as if the Lord were not on our side. We sometimes live as if the snare has not been broken, as if the Lord had not broken through. And I want to look at several examples of that, just to see, just to encourage you. I I pray that at least somewhere in these next few minutes you will say, Aha, that's something I can grab a hold of and I can march come tomorrow. What do you do? What do you do when you have knee-jerk dark responses? Instinctive dark thoughts about God. 
Dark thoughts about God invade your heart, your mind. Sometimes you have ugly thoughts about other people. Sometimes uh, evil washes over you and through you uh, like a tsunami and you seem helpless. One of the things that you might do, and we do this all too often, is simply think about those things and get more and more discouraged. We may talk with others about them, but as our friend Ed Welsh pointed out a couple of weeks ago in Harvey Cedars, one thing we can fail to do is talk to God about those things. Talk to anyone else! But for neglect to talk to God. As if he's not on your side. As if the Lord had not burst through. As if you were not a new person at all. Uh, let, me, let me sing, no, let me say first one of, the, of our hymn. Um, oh, for a thousand tongues to sing, one is hardly enough. Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing, my great Redeemer's praise, the glories of my God and King, the triumphs of His grace. Um, he hears my cry. He hears your cry and is a God who gives you His triumphant grace. Pray to Him. Pray to Him. Humble yourself before Him when those dark thoughts come into your mind. Well, another situation, the fear of man can simply paralyze us. The fear of man is a trap. Um, It is a snare. It may be an individual in your life that you're particularly obsessed with and even fearful of. It could be uh, the government that that you are convinced is, has the power to over, over, overrule, even, overrule even the authority of God. Or popular opinion, going against popular opinion. The sermon this morning was a great example of that. It is easy to cower. It is easy to cower. The fear of man can paralyze us. What others think about us, or worse yet, what we think about, what we think they think about us, we don't know. But we invent things and can go down an awful, awful uh, dark trail. What people will do to us, what they might say to us or about us, it can paralyze us. We feel judged. We feel like we don't measure up. We feel like we are not acceptable. Listen to this proverb. The fear of man lays a snare. The fear of man lays a snare. It traps you. It seduces you. It traps you. It catches you. Um, it, it may give you very short-lived praise or commendation from another human being, but nothing more. More often, it traps you and you begin saying something that you shouldn't say out at or to that person, about or to that person, or you don't say anything at all when you should be speaking with that person. Fear immobilizes you and twists your tongue. The fear of man lays a snare, the proverb says, but whoever trusts in the Lord... Do you know what the next word is? The fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. Safe. Uh, This uh, third verse of O for a Thousand Tongues, Jesus, the name that charms our fears, that bids our sorrows cease, 
Tis music in the sinner's ears. Tis life and health and peace forevermore. The Lord has burst through. The snare is broken. You are finally and fully and totally secure. The fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. Well, sometimes temptations seem overwhelming. Sometimes they seem overpowering that you have no capability of standing up in fighting against them. Perhaps they're triggered by, um, by a thought that comes into your mind or by something that you might remember or something that you might see. Something triggers that, that uh, temptation and it feels like it's going to wash over you like that tsunami. It seems impossible to defeat, to defeat and giving into it seems like the only way to get past it. I just can't deal with it. I can't beat it. Repeated failures especially make these temptations so destructive uh, and debilitating. We wallow in remorse, oftentimes rather than repent at all. And so we see little progress. And we settle for living as if the snare has not been broken and as as if the Lord has not broken through. Verse 4. Let these words sink into your heart. He breaks the power of reigning sin. He sets the prisoner free. His blood can make the foulest clean. His blood availed for me. And where there is more sin, there is even more grace. Where sin abounds, grace abounds even more. His blood can make the foulest, even me, clean. His blood availed for me. Sometimes we deal with depression or anxiety. Sometimes the circumstances of life, sometimes our own uh, inner worlds uh, just cannot face, cannot deal with the struggles that are, are around us. Our feelings are real. They're there. They, cannot just, they should not just be suppressed and ignored. Our feelings are real. The beliefs that trigger them may very well not be true. We, are, we hear a whisper in our, in our guilt-ridden conscience. We hear a whisper. Uh, you are not a good creature made by God after all. You are insignificant. These are the feelings that, that attack us. We are so flawed. We disappoint everyone and are full of self-accusation. So we can't cope with this life. It is dark and there is without a hope for future. If you have experienced depression, you do know what that feels like. If you have not so much experienced depression... Do not just dismiss those who speak to you about that kind of internal world. Instead, remind them in gentleness, over time, in careful conversation, in nuanced conversation. Listen to them, but get around to this. The Lord has broken through. The Lord has burst through, and the snare is 
broken. Verse 5, he speaks, and listening to his voice, new life the dead receive. The mournful, broken hearts rejoice, and humble, poor believe. It is an opportunity to call your friend, or to call your own heart, to humility. To embrace the grace and the mercy of God. Because the Lord has burst through and the snare is broken. How else could the psalm end but this way? Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. He who holds all power is the Lord of bursting through. Where do you need, and maybe I haven't hit it tonight, but where do you need to experience, to know the victory of the Lord bursting through so that you, like David, could even use that as a name for God? I've been overwhelmed in this area. I've been overwhelmed in that area. All I have known or expected is defeat, but you've shown me by your mercy, kindness, and presence. You've shown me that you are the God of bursting through. And the snare has been broken. Hear him, you deaf. His praise, you dumb. Your, your loosened tongues employ. Ye blind, behold your Savior come. And leap, ye lame, for joy. This great hymn of ours starts with, Oh, for a thousand tongues. It starts with celebration. It starts by saying, I can't even praise this God enough. And it ends with people just leaping for joy because the snare is broken and he is the Lord of bursting through. May the Spirit encounter you, meet you, exactly where you need to be met tonight. In Christ's name. Lord, uh, thank you for um, the beauty of this little psalm. Thank you that you, um, through um, King David, um, uh, even arranged for a new name to be given to the covenant God, the Lord of bursting through. We pray that in some meaningful, significant, even life-changing way, we would know you as the Lord of bursting through. Where we feel like the tsunami is going to take us down, may we instead meet the Lord of bursting through. For it's in his precious name that we pray. Amen.